Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us from preschool to teen. This is the show where we help you feel better about the mom you are and share our own parenting tips and personal stories. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Everyone and welcome to episode 162 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers and I am here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. So we're doing one of our favorite things today, guys, and Woo-hoo. that is taking your listener questions and offering our solicited parenting advice. Yes, people actually asked us for this. I have to apologize; my voice is still kind of on the mend. Like I'm still not 100. percent So if you're a new new listener, I don't always sound so froggy and like sultry like I just had a night out at a jazz club it'll have it'll add a little gravitas to your answers I I feel like I was like laying on a piano last night with like one of those long (laughs) cigarette thingies coming out of my mouth and that's why I sound like this but actually no just been talking a lot and fighting I got my kids my kids made me sick yeah that happens um so we have some really good listener questions to get to today and then we like to do these in two-part batches so next Tuesday we will continue with some more listener questions and we love getting your questions so keep sending them in we especially love when you record yourself doing that so at the end of the show I'll remind you how to do that Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. 
That's code MOMHOUR5050 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, guys. So um, our first question comes from Rachel. Rachel's been a longtime listener, and I have to give her a shout out just because she's been so supportive of the show. I think I even was connected to Rachel way back in my blogging days. And so we've kind of followed each other online, but just a really, really supportive listener of the show. Um, Sends in great ideas, gives us great feedback. And all of you guys who've been around from the beginning and kind of love us anyway, we just appreciate that. So we're going to play Rachel's question um, and it'll speak for itself. So we'll do that now. Hey, Megan and Sarah, this is Rachel. I have a question about how to deal with my somewhat shy four-year-old. And I don't know. I don't love the word shy, but I guess it's the best thing to describe, um, best word to use to describe him. And the situations where I'm most concerned are, for example, um, we go to the gym often and um, we're leaving the gym childcare and the teachers there or the, the workers there will say, okay, thanks. Thanks, buddy. See you later. And And I would love it if he would say thank you or acknowledge their existence in some way. But he just is very like put off by the fact that they're talking to him and he'll bury his head in my shirt or he'll just turn and walk away. And, you know, if I say something like, Hey buddy, say thank you. He absolutely won't. And I can't force him to say thank you. And so I pretty much just stopped um, trying to make him say thank you. And what I do is I just say, okay, yep. And uh, he says, thank you. Or, or something like that kind of me being the voice of this is how you should handle the situation. I just think that his shyness sometimes comes off as rude. And yes, he's four. And I know people understand that. But how do I how do I teach him that like, no, it's the way it's supposed to be. You need to say thank you. You need to look at people when they talk to you. I will also add um, that I have a six year old my other, and just one other child and he's six and he's never met an adult that he did not want to talk to. So that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> Extremes, uh, opposite ends of the spectrum for sure. I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss, so I could use a little help. Thanks. Okay, Rachel. I really love this topic actually. Um, and it's interesting that she brought up um, the specific instance she mentioned about like the gym childcare um, and seeing adults that the child sees regularly and is still feeling a little shy around, I think brings up mm-hmm. a really interesting 
side to this. So I guess if I'm going to start big picture, I, I really think that um, most quote unquote shy or reserved or introverted kids um, are just developmentally not there yet where they're just not mm-hmm. ready to be social in the way that adults are social. And we have such weird expectations of kids acting like mini adults. So I would yes. say if I had to answer this question in 30 seconds, I would say be patient, be be an advocate and be on the side of your child and don't worry about forcing them into adult niceties. That's if I had to just yeah. give a sentence, that's what it would be. But well, can we can yeah. we quickly just differentiate? Because I like that Rachel yeah. said she doesn't love the word shy because yeah. she doesn't know that it actually is even fitting what's going on here. And I think there's a difference between a kid who's like afraid of people or doesn't want to be away from mom and a kid who just doesn't care that we're supposed to say like, not even doesn't care, just doesn't understand yet why we're supposed to do like the social contract. Right. Those are two very different things. And this same kid could be the minute mom turns around and leaves and he's just playing could be super friendly. You don't really know. It could be awkwardness around Yes. And some kids are more comfortable with other kids, peers, and some are more comfortable with adults and are more socially awkward with peers. So all of it developmentally for most developmentally on track kids kind of sorts itself out. I definitely don't think Rachel has anything to be concerned about. But yeah, I do think so. The thing that I think is interesting is she brought up a situation where they're going to gym childcare and he's familiar with these same teachers and they're seeing them every day and they say, okay, bye. Thanks. And he doesn't say anything. So I think there's a couple ways to handle that. One is to just do exactly what she's doing, which is modeling. I'm a big fan of modeling the behavior you want your kids to do, and they're not going to do it that day but eventually they will. So if someone said something to my shy kid and the kid wasn't going to respond, I would just respond. I wouldn't make a big deal, but I'd just say, oh, so nice to see you too. Thanks for having us. Bye. Right. Um, as opposed to say, say, thank you for having us. Say right. goodbye. Say, um, say, say, say now. Yeah. Right. So modeling, and she's already doing that and that's really good. But the other thing I think, and he's four, um, is that if you think your kid is ready to get a little bit out of their comfort zone and practice um, some of these social graces and I think four is maybe a little young, but especially if this were like, say, a six or seven year old who really was still kind of having trouble, you know, responding or looking down or making eye contact. And we've talked about this before, Megan, with both of our introverted kids is it's not it's great to give a little pep talk before a social situation and have Mm -hmm. them practice those things in a situation where they are comfortable, where you're not asking them to go into a room full of people they don't know and shake hands with everybody. But maybe you say, hey, buddy, we're going to go to the gym today and um, let's play a game where we practice making eye contact when somebody says hello. Yeah. Um, and I think there's there's little opportunities to do that, especially in this case where it is it's teachers he knows and is familiar with. And so it's probably the lowest barrier to entry. But I yep. think it's it, it takes the pressure off your kid if you have that pep talk beforehand and just say, hey, let's let's practice that a little bit today. Or if they do it once, then after they're out of the room or after you leave, say, oh, wow, I really noticed, you know, that you were super kind and respectful or whatever it was with when someone was speaking to you. So you're reinforcing yeah. the behavior, but you're not putting them on the spot every time. Right. I totally agree. And that works with so many different yeah. Behavioral and just life things, right? Yes. Is like that whole like model and then notice. Yes. Don't like point out the negative that they didn't do it, but just reinforce that when they did it. Right. And it is the kind of thing I think you're right that like most kids figure out when they start, when they get to be six or seven and yeah. they start to realize there's that social contract and like they understand it. Before that, they're just like living, is it they call like seven the age of reason, right? Like where they really start to be more in tune with what's happening outside of themselves. And before that, it's like they're kind of 
self focused Well, they're very self-focused. Yeah. Like that's kind of the whole point of being a kid. Um, they're not thinking really that the other person expects it or, right. or why that might be. It doesn't make logical sense to them because in their world, it, it's not a thing. So it's, yeah. I totally agree. Um, and a couple more thoughts that I had is the, the, the teachers at the gym, childcare are most likely not noticing your son's lack of response in the way that right. you are. We, they I mean, see we, a lot we of We talked kids, about that recently right? in our opting out episode is we're hyper aware of our own behavior and our kids' behavior. But they're saying that because they genuinely want to say goodbye to him and because they're adults right. who know how to be social. They're not, right. they're not keeping a tally of the kids who say thank you unprompted and the kids yeah this isn't like going yeah this isn't going like against you on some ledger right no (laughs) absolutely and and I you know I have to say I I'm not super consistent about whether or not I remind my kids to say thank you and goodbye sometimes I do it and sometimes I don't and it depends kind of on if I can do it kind of sneakily and just kind of like elbow elbow like hey manners if it's really important to me if depending on who it is I I might remind them I might not a lot of times they remember because they're getting older and a lot of times they don't. So I don't think it's one of those things where you have to like pick your philosophy and stick to it forever. Um, right. But I think you can definitely be patient with a four-year-old. And Rachel also said in the end of her message that she has a really outgoing six-year-old. And right. so that's so, what she's used to. Yes. And that's so true. And I know you have experienced this too, Megan, is when you have something yeah. to compare to, it makes those differences like makes Stand you hyper aware of the differences. You know, and even if you're not, even if you're not consistent about, asking or ensuring that every single time they do it, they're always going to see that you always do it. So yes, if you just exactly. like, if, if the only thing you ever do is model, yep. <laughs> I think that's like half of the battle right there because they're going to see the way you do things. And eventually they're going to get the picture. Like they're learning by watching you, even if they're not enacting it yet. I agree. I agree. hundred percent. All right. Um, All right. Okay. Should we Move take on. another one? So Megan, I'm going to put you on the spot if you don't mind. Um, <laughs> okay. What do I Amber- have to do? emailed this so if you don't mind reading it to us oh I can read that works out okay (laughs) it's like I didn't know what you had for me like I don't know (laughs) put me on the spot here I'm not sure okay that is totally fine okay so she says hello my name is Amber I live in Ohio with my husband and one-year-old son we're a very blue-collar family and always live paycheck to paycheck both myself and my husband work full-time my husband's a mechanic and myself at my son's child care center My question is, do you have any tips or ideas on lowering monthly expenses such as a grocery bill? I'm terrible at budgeting for the grocery store and I do not. Did you see that? What I just did? I said grocery the first time and grocery the second time. (laughs) So guys, like two episodes ago, maybe Uh we had a whole conversation about whether we pronounce it grocery or grocery. And it turns out I go back and forth. So I think we both do. And many of our listeners wrote to us because you guys like to call us out on this stuff. That's so funny. Sorry. Um, Okay. So sorry, Amber. She asks, I am terrible at budgeting for the grocery store and I don't have time to clip coupons for hours. Any suggestions of episodes to listen to would be appreciated. Um, And then some very sweet things. Thank you for being you. Your podcast helped me a lot as a brand new mom. Thank you very much for that. We appreciate it. Okay, so uh, grocery budgets. I feel like you have things to say. I I have some things. Yes, I do. Um, The first thing I would say is really get a check on, like really pay attention, close attention to your food waste. If I had to say one thing, the one thing I could do to get my grocery bill, grocery bill under control, it is to make sure I'm not throwing any food away or mm-hmm. very, very little. And that is something I have struggled with a lot over the years because my family size has fluctuated, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> a lot. Um, and 
as kids grow, their needs change and the way you cook might be changing, right? So that's where I would start. I would really closely monitor what you're eating in a week and Mm -hmm. what's not being used up. I would um, just pay attention for a week because I'm guessing if you're like me and like a lot of moms, you're overbuying. Yeah. Just like that, like that. And that's, that's one thing that is just totally unnecessary spending. Yeah. Um, I have actually found that in times when I'm wasting too much food or spending too much, it's often because I'm actually not shopping enough, which I know totally goes against all of the things that we're supposed to do, which we're supposed to buy everything in bulk because it's cheaper. That's not necessarily the case. And if you're buying too much food, again, you're going to not, everything's not going to get eaten. And your bills are going to be higher, which mm-hmm. I mean, yes, theoretically, if you're buying your grocery shopping like once a month and if you can do that and there are people who do that mm-hmm. and that's like a job. Let me just yeah. be really clear that the people who get their <clears throat> who get their um, grocery bills down like really, really like ridiculously low. Yeah, I know people who do this. I know it can be done, but it is like a part time job. It yeah. is not something you do between, you know, like coming home from work and making dinner or whatever. You know, it's not something you just fit in when you can. And you can definitely get better at it, but I think it is something that requires a lot of time. So yeah. <clears throat> maybe just don't be too hard on yourself about yeah. that bill, that particular bill. I don't know, Sarah, I'm like going on and yeah, on. But do you no, have like I, anything else I kicked to add this that? to okay. you because I feel like you have talked or written about this a fair amount. I do have a couple of things. Um so there is an episode in our archives. It's episode fifty five. So it's exactly almost exactly two years old. It's from June fifteenth, twenty sixteen. It's called Saving Money on Groceries and Household Supplies. So, Amber, you can go listen to that from the archives. And we actually talk about how we're not couponers either. So I think we're in the same boat as you. Yeah. Um, But a couple other tips that I thought of. One is more on the household supplies than less on the groceries. Um, But I think Amber mentioned that, too, um, is avoid shopping for those things at places where you're going to be tempted into impulse purchases. I don't want to call out Target but I'm going to call on Target. I mean, that's what it would be for me. So like I went through a long phase where I, I really, even though we love Target, I just almost never went to Target because it was too tempting to then also get myself some new makeup. Oh, and like, yes, totally. Um, like, let's say we're talking about paper towels, toilet paper, um, you know, dishwasher detergent, that kind of stuff. I, I had a pretty good beat for a while on where those things were economically priced um and for me a lot of it came from Costco's generic brand um and so i like i only got those things at Costco i only went to Costco once or twice a month um Costco can get you into over buying and impulse purchasing too but i, yeah, I had yeah. three little kids and like i didn't really want to be spending time in Costco <laughs> i wasn't going to buy like a tent or something right. i mean i think some people can go to Costco and accidentally spend a bunch of money but that wasn't the way i used it i went there because i knew that peanut butter coffee organic eggs chicken stock it's like i have 12 things that are so yep. much cheaper at Costco that i cannot bear buying them anywhere else it was like i had found those 12 things. And, and so that helped. Um, but also not going to target for like, if I was out of low on toilet paper or paper towels, I would not run to target. Cause it just, absolutely it's not. too nope. tempting. Um, a lot of that stuff I think is, it's really wise to, um, to buy online. Cause if you can lock in your price, like on Amazon or something, yep. if you can like really lock in it, it's easy to forget like what's the best deal you can get on say 12 packs of toilet paper, because the sales are all over the place, right? Like you'll go in and see the sale and you're like, Oh my gosh, this seems like a good deal, but is it? I don't remember how much it cost last time. So paying attention to that stuff and comparison shopping and then looking at prices online, I think is really helpful. Yeah. 
No, I totally agree. Um, another tip I was going to offer is not running out of things. So like we tend to spend more on things if we accidentally yes. run out at the last minute. Yep. And, um, and I think you were sort of going there with food too, but especially with household items, um, it's always going to be cheaper if you are planning ahead. And I, I think that comes kind of naturally to me. Like I just notice when we're getting low on something yeah. and I really don't like running out to stores at the last minute. Um, but if you need a little system, a little post-it note, a little, you know, notes file in your phone or a little some way to indicate when you're running low, I think you really save a lot of money by not needing to run out at the last minute for that kind yeah. of thing. Um, I would. OK, another tip I would have. Yeah. I didn't realize I'd have so many. But um, one I thing I would, would say is really simplify your your um, menu. Mm -hmm. your menu planning, figure out what those like five or six or seven dishes are that you can make relatively inexpensively every time. And that's not going to always, that doesn't always mean you're going to be using. Here's an example. One of the cheapest meals that I make that my family will eat the entire thing. So there's no waste mm -hmm. is literally I buy a bag of frozen stir fry vegetables, which is like $2 mm -hmm. and chicken breasts, which are, you know, whatever they are, because mm -hmm. they're all over the place, depending if they're on sale or not. And like a little sauce mm -hmm. that's it but it feeds everybody right so it's a bag like those vegetables if I bought them all fresh and chopped them up would probably cost more because mm -hmm. not all of them would be in season you know um so sometimes like that's like frozen vegetables can be really an economical way of doing that kind of thing um I would also say find the cheapest proteins you can that align with whatever your personal food values are so like mm -hmm. if you feel like it's really important to eat organic um to eat organic meats or free range meats or whatever, then you might have to be thinking carefully about what kind of meat you're going to eat because that mm -hmm. stuff gets expensive no matter what. Um, on the other hand, if you're okay, like there's all kinds of in between labels, like there's there's all kinds of range from like factory farmed cows yeah. on up to like the the happiest of yep. cows skipping through an organic farm with no fences. Like there's like there's some different stops between mm -hmm. and there's cuts that are pretty cheap like I will do a pork butt or also called a pork shoulder that's like a huge slab of meat you can make meals yep. for days out of that so like whatever protein you can get or maybe for you all of the meats are like too much and look at eggs or mm -hmm. beans like there's a lots of those those proteins are th the things that always make my bill like if there's one variable that causes the biggest swing on my food bill it's it's meat yep for sure yep because it, it's all over the place and so yep. figuring out some really simple meal plans um that center around the pr the least expensive protein you'll tolerate. Yep. And, and that's like, yeah, that's going to be no, different I, for everybody. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Um, and then my final tip is I don't know, cause I don't know any more about Amber's family or how much she's budgeting or looking at things, but just tracking expenses. And there's so many different yeah. tools, but just paying attention to something is often a huge leap forward in, um, just facing reality. And sometimes it surprises you what you are spending a lot of money on and what not. Um, and one thing yes. about feeling bad or guilty or, you know, short on cash is if we don't know what's budgeted and what we're typically spending in a month, it's hard yep. to know, like, should I feel guilty about spending $200 at the grocery store? Or maybe that, maybe that's the reality to feed my family and I need to make cuts elsewhere in the budget. Does that make sense? So just, just yeah. having an awareness. Um, and I think there's so many good tools. Um, to help you kind of track that for a few months and really yeah. look at where the money's going. Yes. And if right, if right now, like for me, my budget, my grocery budget, and I'm putting groceries in air quotes, um, includes things like toiletries and stuff because not like my makeup and things, but just like basic yeah. household, like toothpaste yeah. and yeah. paper towels and stuff like that. 
just because for me, I really wanted to simplify. But if I was really trying to get down to the nitty gritty right now of what I'm spending money on, I would absolutely be separating that stuff out for it's sure. Kind of, because it's kind of like you can really geek out over it if you want. You I mean, can, I have yeah. in the past. And then, you know, you go through phases where you don't want to or you don't need to care. But um, that's helpful. I think it's always helpful. Yeah. I'm married yeah. to a financial planner, so. Yes. And sometimes things. really just <laughs> digging down into the nuts and bolts really helps. Yeah. The last thing I, guess I would say is try Aldi if you've got it and you haven't already tried it. It's really a great like I'm always shocked by how much less my bill is. And you might you might be surprised by the if you don't have an Aldi in your area or even if you do, you might be surprised by which grocery stores cost more at certain things and which cost less. Like you, it might not be the bigger store that Agreed. saves you the money. It might know be that's... like the little corner store, which is weird. And you think that'll be overpriced, but depending how you shop it, yep. it's not always the case. Well, and I know that's true about Costco because I, I like Costco, but it's like things are all over the map. Some things are ridiculously cheaper. Some things are, are the same and some things are yes. more expensive. So you do kind of have to know there are entire blogs and bloggers devoted to this kind of stuff. Like I I've clicked on things before, like 10 things that are not cheaper at Costco. And I'm like, Ooh, right. I want to know what those are. So definitely you can, you can have fun doing some research on that. Well, and I know people like I, I work the point system at both CVS and Walgreens and for things like paper towels and stuff like that, or like our town, um, like kind of our area, the Great Lakes states have a, a chain called Meyer, which uh -huh. is basically like a look like a semi-local regional Walmart kind of. Yeah. I guess it's a big box store with groceries. So, and even at our at our Meyer store, there's something called M Perks. But whatever it is, like a lot of these places have these point systems. Yeah. And if you're really good at working those, you can do super well. But probably not on everything. You're going to do like M Perks, for example. I used to use it a lot, and I noticed like certain brands will come up again and again and you could do really really well with those branded foods and like not so well with others and you weren't going to do any better on meats and produce it just wasn't going to be a thing right but like if you had to go in and buy a bunch of shredded cheese you could do awesome on shredded yeah. cheese so you if you can like figure out one or two to really work those point systems i just think you have to figure out the like one or two you're really going to yeah. work because you really can't play them all and having a menu plan like you started talking about i think really helps with that yes. and so i mean we yep. got off we could get off topic but we recently did an episode on meal planning and stuff too. And that's all, it's all yep. tied in. Cause if you have a simple meal plan and menu plan, then you can sort of be strategic about your shopping without it, like yep. without it becoming your full-time job. Like we talked about with coupon. Yeah, exactly. That. Yeah, exactly. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. 
We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. So we're going to keep going here. We have one more question and, you know, it's kind of a kind of a big one, I think. So we'll take our time with it. But um, it comes from Michelle and we will play it now. Hi, Megan and Sarah. This is Michelle. I have two kids, an eight year old son and a three year old daughter. How do you help your children learn to deal with frustration? Um, I wasn't great with this when my son was little and now he's very smart and very talented. And when things just don't go his way, he has a hard time dealing with that frustration. Um, he gets very upset. He starts crying. He's pounding his fist. He, he's not willing to keep to persevere. So how do I teach him that? And how do I help my three major little girl who's learning these big, who has these big emotions and needs to learn to deal with them now, how do I help her so she knows how to deal with them earlier? And I don't have to go through this again with my, when she's seven or eight. Thanks for putting on such a great podcast. I look forward to listening to you every week and I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Thanks. Okay, Michelle. Well, thank you for this question. Michelle actually sent us two questions, but we're taking the first one today. Um, And this is really really common. The first thing I want to say is having three kids and Megan, you have five kids. I just believe that the way kids handle disappointment and frustration and their ability to mature in that area. I mean, we all, we all experience disappointment and frustration. So it's not like those things are ever going to go away, but the way we handle it is wildly different across my three kids. (laughs) I have two hotheads and they have hot, they're hotheaded in different ways. And then one who's unusually reasonable and mature. Um, So one thing is just to know that there's a big wide range of normal here. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, so she mentioned her son is eight and I also have an eight-year-old son and I have an eight-year-old son who's really, he has come so far in this area. It's not easy for him. He doesn't deal well with with frustration, with he's very yeah. inflexible when things don't go his way. And I, I do think seven or eight is that age where you start to notice when your kid is still throwing fits and other kids aren't. Yes. I don't know. Do you, yeah. do you remember that, Megan, with any of your kids? Like, <sighs> I, I feel oh. like five, four or five and even six-year-olds, it's kind of normal to see a kid crying over something. Yeah. And I just mm-hmm. remember thinking in the last year or two, like, all right, my kid is crying possibly more than his peers at certain things. So I don't know if that well, happened to you. 
you know, it's interesting for me is like, I will say my ragiest kid, like the one who's the most frustrated yeah. um, is Owen. Mm-hmm. Um, to my memory, you know, Isaac was like, Isaac's toddlerhood is a blur. <laughs> Honestly, like he was so like, I'm, I hate the word naughty, but it's yeah. like the only word I can really think of for him. Yeah. He was like a stinker, you yeah. know, but that had started to fade by seven or eight. So probably it was Owen and Owen's, Owen has always manifested his frustration in really odd and um disturbing ways <laughs> like like when he was three he would just come stand by me and glare at me and headbutt me silently like a silent headbutt now you might think that's better than a kid having a tantrum but actually right. I would be like what is wrong with Mike like what's wrong yeah. with this kid he yeah. was just and he was he could have gone all day like yeah. his tolerance or what's the word I'm looking for his endurance yeah. for a fit yeah just lasted forever and it would just like he would stand there and just take two steps back and then headbutt me and then take two steps back and then headbutt me he did that till he was like five or six yeah and then it kind of started to um morph into arguments Mm -hmm. he's like a little lawyer and he's really good at mounting um, a very illogical but a very like you know i don't know what the word i'm looking for here is uh just consistent Mm -hmm. consistently irrational Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just again with the endurance like he won't quit like it's just so and then he's also like a rage quitter so he's Mm -hmm. like the kid who would get mad about a game not going well and rage quit yeah but it would be like a silent rage quit so so I guess my point is just to say that like your kid might be the one crying and freaking out and screaming or whatever or pounding his fists and that sticks disturbing to you but I bet you on the other side of the playground there's a mom whose kid is like silently like stabbing or afraid to try like who's not even you know not even engaging because so they're they're stuck in some other place on the continuum okay or like clara is a good example of that she gets very 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 frustrated and her way because of she's got anxiety and stuff and so her way of like dealing with that is to kind of um she like apologize she over apologizes Mm -hmm. and then she yeah she worries and she actually makes this sound and i've told her like honey i you make this sound like you're gonna cry and it's like, uh, you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like this little reaction she's having where she's expressing fear and frustration. Yeah. So I, I guess my point is it can happen silently, too. That's yeah. like my only really point of telling well, you all this is how differently it manifests from kid to and kid. And hopefully we're normalizing this. Um, I think an eight year old is still very, very much learning how to handle frustration. Yes. I guess I'll offer a couple specific tactics. One, because because I do feel like Reed has improved so much with this. One is, I mean, we kind of touched on this at the top of the show with noticing when they are making progress. I really with with all my kids and their various issues, I really try and like zoom out every once in a while and be like, okay, this is better than it was six months ago or better than it was a year ago. And both for my own self to be like, okay, I think we're making progress. This is a kid who has a particularly hard time in this area. But if I zoom out, the overall trajectory is we're maturing. We're developing. It's happening. It's, it's happening. happening. And so maybe and more really, slowly than we'd like, but it's happening. I really compliment Reed when he's able to switch gears, um, be flexible and not get frustrated with something. Um, and so compliment them when they are making progress and notice when they're making progress because it also helps you internally and it helps them. I think that, one, yeah, one is That's another thing is to look at what that kid is facing during the day and just just maybe do a little gut check of are they in a phase where things really are extra hard in too many different areas? So what I mean by that is like, I think it's really good for kids to be challenged and pushed in certain areas. But if school got harder this year and mm-hmm. sports got harder this year 
and the three social stuff social stuff got harder and the little sister is extra needy and demanding and dad is traveling more or whatever then like maybe there are ways to like set him up for success where some of the things he does are just they're gimmies they're not gonna they're not gonna create frustration because they're easy and he gets to feel successful i've done a fair amount of reading on you know kids and resilience and you know like these types of topics and it's something I love talking about, but they both need to be stretched and challenged, but they also need to feel successful. So it's, you get to look at that as a picture and be like, okay, where can we just help this kid feel really, Mm -hmm. really successful? Or does he need more sleep or does he need like one fewer activity or whatever it is? So I don't know. That was a couple more thoughts. Well, and one thing I will also say, and I think this is all fantastic advice. And and I, I know I've like, just because I just described all of the different ways that my kids have been <laughs> have expressed their frustration and how different it is from kid to kid. I think there's a real tendency. I'm totally guilty of this of being like, well, there goes the waterworks again, or like, oh, right. there goes oh, Bob, yes. little Bobby oh, being yes. little Bobby. Yeah. And you start to fall into this pattern sometimes where you just ex- you expect and anticipate, and then when it happens, you react in a like just another day with this kid kind of a way, even if you have no intention to, and it's not a purposeful thing in any way. And of course you don't mean to make your kid feel bad and you would never purposely like reinforce a behavior. Um, but sometimes we do that because we're yeah. frustrated. We're tired. Or like, I do it. We want to go, we wanna go good, throw a tantrum. I still do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that there's like, that's such a normal reaction, but like, I mean, I think there's something to keeping like an element, like somehow preserving that element of surprise when your kid does something that seems like, like not to get too, what's the word I'm looking for? Like too much, like, Oh, just another day yep. where you stop paying attention to those triggers and you just are already on guard. Like, you know, you get that edge. Like when you're you, moms are always anticipating, right? Yep. So we go yep. into a situation and we're scanning the room. We're anticipating what our family is going to do. Yep. And sometimes like, you know, you can kind of see what's coming. Like little sisters bugging the big brother yep. or the food, you know, you're at a, you're yep. at a gathering and the food is not what your kid's going to want. And you know, it's you, coming. You know, it's Three, coming and you're two. Yes. <laughs> and you're bracing yourself yeah. and you don't even allow yourself like the opportunity to be surprised yep. negatively or positively. Yep. Like you don't allow yourself that opportunity. And we all, we all do it. So it's not like, I'm not saying like, Oh, you know, don't do that. And everything's going to be better. I guess I would just say, watch for that. Like your kid can surprise you. I totally agree. And I'm glad you brought that up because I do have one more quick thing. And that is, this takes so much practice. So, so, so much practice, but you can be calm and happy and even having a good time when your kid is raging and super frustrated. You don't have to take that on yourself. You don't. And you can be empathetic and you can get down with him for a minute and say, this is so frustrating for you. Can I help you find a different activity? Can I help redirect you? But then you can get up and walk away and say, let me know if you need my help. I'm going to go do my own thing now. So you, but that's so hard. It's so hard not to either be dragged down completely emotionally right into their stuff. Or the alternative is sort of to be really callous and like, ignore quote unquote ignore and so like somewhere in the middle is like you can let them know that you're available to help and you're empathetic to what they're going through and everybody gets frustrated you know I I think another good thing to do is kind of narrate when you have had a frustrating experience be like man I was so frustrated because I almost ran out of gas and I was running late and just you know and just kind of talk through that stuff but you don't have to live in that place with them all the time like you get to walk away and it's okay to be happy and I 
could not agree more. <laughs> and um, I just also want to say, like, in public situations, I think that can be especially powerful. Yes. Because there's such a tendency to want to fix or like show everyone that you're fixing or show yeah, like everyone that, that you're reacting you in a really loud voice. So everyone knows. Yeah. So everyone knows you're you parenting because you don't <laughs> want anyone to know that, like to think that you don't handle things. But I think, I think when I have allowed myself to demonstrate that balance of empathizing and caring and loving, but also walking away and still going back to what I'm doing in my conversation. Or, and I have done so much as to pick up a tantruming child and move them to a place where they can tantrum without bothering other people. Right. In a very loving way, but it's like, I'm going to put you over here now because you're being really loud or whatever yeah. it is. And like the other parents, you know, there might be a little discomfort at first, but like the more other people see you being really confident and just handling it yeah. kindly, but firmly and yeah. kind of nonchalantly, I feel like it diffuses the situation and it makes other people comfortable. Like I, I really do. And I've witnessed that over and over. Yes. Like people will kind of give you this weird look and say like, oh, well, you're pretty confident. Yeah. Or something. I've gotten a lot of so comments like that. You feel so much better after. You yeah. feel so much better after that situation has passed than you do when, you know, you do any of the other things well, that we've all done. overreact, like, freak yeah. out, leave yeah. the party because, like, your kid yeah. can't, you know, is, like, yeah. freaking out. And then you feel like you have to leave. And then you get home and think, well, now, like, I just... I cut my evening short because right. of something totally normal, like right. a very normal thing that my kid would have gotten over. Right. Um, you know, so... I don't know that can't doesn't always work. I know there are kids who are super persistent in their tantrums and yeah. sometimes it is sometimes leaving the leaving the shopping cart full in the middle of the aisle, in the grocery yeah. store aisle is the right choice. But and I would, you know, that's your decision to make like what you can tolerate. But sometimes letting your kid have the tantrum and going about your business is also the right choice. And sometimes yeah. that can come off as like like a really confident and almost comforting choice yeah. to other people. And so don't I I would just say try not to worry too much about like the public parenting thing. I think that's one of my, the thing I, I come back to a time and time yeah. again, that I feel like if I could go back and change one thing that I did as a younger mom, yeah. it would be having less of my parenting decisions be ruled by how I felt other people thought about yep. me in the moment. Yep. Well, I'm that kind of transitions into, we hadn't touched on the fact that Michelle also has a three-nager, <laughs> yes. a little girl. And you know, what she said when she sent this question was that she felt like she didn't handle this as well with her now eight-year-old and and I would say it's probably more likely that your eight-year-old just has a particularly yep. agreed hard time with dealing with yep. frustration it's not that you did anything wrong and your three-nager has big emotions because she's three so yeah, there's not I don't think there's anything she can do to head it off at the past I don't think so except <laughs> yeah. that just have a lot of patience with yourself yep. because yeah. three-year-olds are crazy so like you can help her deal with big emotions which I think is how you phrased it in the question by doing all the things we've talked to I've talked yeah. about like helping her setting her up for success making sure that you know she's she's doing things that are developmentally appropriate she's not because three-year-olds are crazy they want to do everything by themselves and they can't and that's like a constant yep dance. So I don't know that I don't think you need to think about it. Like, what can I do better with her so that she nope. is not like this? I think her son sounds like he's just wired that way. And there's a lot of yep. great things. He's probably a little bit of a perfectionist. He's probably really driven. There's some things that will probably help him by having those traits. And there's some things that are going to be hard. That's how it works. Yep. Right. Like, so, yeah. um, but I don't, I don't have a lot else to say about three nagers except that yes they they get super frustrated they want to do everything by themselves and they're completely irrational so i'd almost spend my so energy. the more you can do well the more you can do to set your life up and like to set yourself up for success yeah. really the better like the more yeah. you can do to you feel good yeah 
about what's you know happening and like you tolerate it I think is kind of the solution to all that stuff right I totally agree and make yeah. sure you have lots of room to take breaks because if you have a raging seven or eight year old and a three-nager yes. then you need a little you a need little some break. breaks yeah. um but yeah I really relate to this one a lot because of my little guy um all right megan well next week we're going to take three more of these questions nice. but before we wrap up we got to do our end of show segment which is cue it up and what i thought i would do for cue it up is just tell you guys that i think our listener questions episodes are some of the best ways to get to know us if you're new to this podcast i totally agree and there's some of honestly they're they're my favorite they are they're fun for us to do but they also what they do two things they allow us to be a little more opinionated than we yes. are in our regular <laughs> episodes because somebody has asked us for our opinion so in our regular right. episodes we're pretty we paint a pretty broad brush of like it's going to be okay no matter what and all of that but if someone with a very specific challenge asks us for our opinion i think we're we're allowed to be a little more opinionated so that's Absolutely. fun but also yeah. we cover a lot of different topics and a lot of different age ranges in a relatively short period of time. So if you're one listener wrote that she had dated, quote unquote, dated a lot of mom podcasts and like she chose <laughs> us. So if you're dating around and you're not sure if this podcast is for you, go listen to our listener yes, questions. Episodes. I'm going to um, read out just a couple of episode numbers so you can scroll back and find them. Um, and then I'll link to all these in the show notes at themomhour.com. But if you're back at the beginning, near the beginning, episode 41, 52, 65, 73. So go check those out. I'm not going to read any more because you guys will lose me. Um, but 41, 52, 65. And those are all from 2016. And you'll just hear so many different types of questions and our responses. And I think it's a fun way to get to know us. So that's my cue it up. Those are the ones I would cue up if you are new and haven't listened to more of these types of episodes. Very fun. Um, yeah, that's all I got. So we'll be back with you guys next week with more great questions and our advice. Hopefully my voice will be back by then. Yeah. It will. So I'm paid now now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye guys. <laughs> Thanks guys. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E R I K A dot A P P, and use code The Mom Hour to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.